You are listening to the Fantasy Alarm Fantasy Football Podcast with John Pemba and Andrew Cooper. What's going on, everybody? John Pemba here with Andrew Cooper bringing you another Fantasy Alarm Fantasy Football Podcast here. Uh, Coop, episode three. Uh, we got a lot to talk about today. We're going to finally dive into some best ball ADPs at the running back position. And we're also going to talk a little bit about the Scott Fishbowl that is coming up. Scott blessed us with a giveaway of an entry into the Scott Fishbowl. So we're going to have some information on how you guys listening to this podcast have an opportunity to uh, earn your way into Scott Fishbowl. Uh, we do have a, a secret code that we're going to be saying in this podcast. That's going to be your ticket to potentially uh ticket to the raffle that we're drawing that we're going to do uh to get into the scott fishbowl here so be on the lookout we're going to call it out the secret code throughout the podcast at some point you get that code uh we'll send the tweet out uh with the podcast with the link you'll enter it uh, and that will be your uh, submission to our raffle to earn an entry so with that said be on the lookout open your ears listen Coop and I are going to drop that at some point during the podcast, get you guys uh, into the Scott Fishbowl with us. But before we do all that, Coop, how are you doing? I'm doing great, man. Only the third episode. I feel like I feel like it's been longer than that. Maybe it was getting into the super deep dives like Eli Wolf and Jonathan Adams Jr. that made it seem like we were already real deep into it. But only three, huh? Still kind of fresh. Yeah, still kind of fresh. Yeah, last week was definitely definitely a good podcast, getting in some of those names that uh, you likely haven't heard of, likely won't even be drafting outside of your dynasty leagues, or as we're talking about today, some deep you know best ball draft dives that you're going in the final rounds. But you know, it's been fun, and like I said, we're excited to keep going on. A lot to cover as we sort of march towards the start of the actual fantasy football season. But right now, I mean, Coop, we talked right before we jumped on air, like you're already you know, knee deep in, in drafts. You know, you've been doing some eliminated drafts. You've been doing some best balls over on Underdog, you said. Last year, I hosted a ton of best ball drafts, and we'll certainly be doing that again as we head into the year. I know that Fantasy Alarm, you can pre-order the draft guide right now using the NFL Pro Package, and we're going to be launching the draft guide shortly. So football here, and we're ready to put the pedal to the metal for everybody when it comes to content. Yeah, and I think like right now, especially for Fantasy Alarm members, it's a huge time to take advantage of your hunches of anything that you, you know, think is going to happen. If you think Zach Gertz gets moved, Julio Jones gets moved, you think James Crowder still gets cut. If you have the Fantasy Alarm draft kit, you can do what we're going to do on this show. And we're going through real live best ball data and saying where guys are being taken, saying who we like, who we don't like. It's all in our kits and stuff. I mean, there are some serious things that I'm seeing that I'm, I'm taking advantage of right now. And, you know, now is the time to do that because what ends up happening closer to the season is all the takes get smoothed out a bit. People have listened to the John and Pembas. You know, they listen to Howard Bender and, the, you know, they start. The Andrew Coopers, you know. Yeah, they, yeah exactly. Then they start. They t- start taking the guys that we like everyone, you know, all the sleepers end up starting to be, they be, they're found out, you know. Right. So I think now is the time where you can really plant your flag on some of these guys and get them. You know, it's like it's like buying AMC at $7 right now. You can right. get it before it goes to the moon. You can get, you know, some of these guys two or three rounds before they'll probably be going in August. So I definitely want to hop in on some best ball, best ball 10, underdog, anything like that, if you can, if you're paying attention now. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see where some of these moves end up happening. Now we're past, was it that June 1st, June 2nd deadline now where teams can sort of finagle some of the salary cap around and, and make some moves. You know, we, we've heard 
rumors, you know, that Zach Ertz could certainly be on the move somewhere. We know that Julio Jones obviously waiting for a landing spot with him. So like you mentioned, you know, if you think these are the things that are going to go down and happen, take advantage uh, where you can with some of those early ADPs. But Coop, let's just jump in then to some best ball here. We're talking about the running back position today. You know, one of the more, I guess, debated strategies when it comes to fantasy football is what do you do with the running back position? I've seen some drafts where the first 15 picks have gone running back. We know there's plenty of people that live and die by the zero RB strategy here. When it comes to best ball, if you want to just take a look at the first round right now, you know, does anything surprise you? Christian McCaffrey currently sitting average ADP as the first overall pick. I don't think that is um, a surprise to many, but he's coming off an injury. So you know, in the first round, anything uh, stick out to you? Anything that you think is worth discussing here? Yeah, nothing a little too crazy. I mean, we do have seven backs going, which obviously is always a high number of backs. You know, CMC going first. I think everyone that's picking at two or three kind of needs to make a decision for themselves. You know, whether you like David Cook, whether you like Saquon, Kamara, like you kind of have to have that in your mind already. It's kind of a tough spot to choose. Personally, I'm going a little bit kind of chalk at the beginning i'm taking cmc if he's there at one dalvin if he's there at two you know at three or four you know it's kind of a toss-up for me between saquon and kamara then after you get to, to the next round here we have derrick henry jonathan taylor and zeke elliott anybody that's read my stuff listening to the show knows that i love zeke for this year so i'm actually taking him ahead of henry and taylor i think you know with henry he doesn't really catch a lot of passes he does have blow up weeks obviously but his upside is kind of curved Never caught more than 20 balls in a season. So that for me, there's too much downside with a player like that. And then with Taylor, you look at some of the things that, you know, obviously with the ball in his hands, he was great last year, but he uh, was the 144th ranked pass blocking back, which for those keeping track at home, there's only 32 teams. So if you're 144, that means that there's plenty on tape that shows that you weren't proficient at it so they have Naheem Hines for that Marlon Mack comes back and one thing that people are kind of not talking about is they lost their left tackle Anthony Costanzo they replaced him with Eric Schwartz sorry Eric Fisher right from the from the from the Chiefs who you know tore his Achilles the Chiefs cut him and their line was already pretty bad so I mean it's not really a situation where they're just plugging in a guy of equal talent this is clearly a downgrade so for me I like Zeke there and that's kind of how I'm handling the first round You know, it it feels like not enough people, or at least not enough that I've seen, are talking about Marlon Mack coming back. Now, you know, do do we think that Mack could be like some sort of like cap casualty at some point? Do we think that he's somebody that gets bought out or released? I mean, like him being a legitimate, you know, number two back to take away some of those early down carries for for Taylor, you know, does that feel like it should be more of a, a topic for people when it comes to you know, discussing his value. Now, we, again, Taylor's going towards the middle uh, of the first round, end of the first round for running backs right now. Average ADP of 7.7. And we are looking at BB10s here for ADP. You know, it, it just seems like to me, you know, having that viable guy behind them, at, you know, at times is, is certainly a threat to a guy's value. Yeah, I mean, the thing the thing with that is that he they actually re-signed him. So if they were going to let him go, then they would have just let him go. Instead, they gave him a million dollars. And, you know, at his 
he's not even a veteran of that long where he kind of gets a minimum million right. dollars. Like he's being paid above the minimum. They were there with him. So anytime it's a re-signing of an injured player, they've been there every step of the way helping him rehab that. Like even when you're planning to let a guy go, he still is in the facilities, using your facilities until the end of the season. So they've been, they know where he is. And if they're going to bring him back, it sounds like they they think that he's ready to play football. And whatever his role is going to be, I don't think he's going to be a player you're going to want to own in fantasy. But, you know, it's your late round handcuff, right? Exactly. Like what happens if, if Taylor gets hurt, then it goes to a split backfield. And Marlon Mack is the running down guy. Naheem Zines is the passing down guy. But, you know, I mean, just having anyone there can dig into those carries. We saw last year when Leonard Fournette got cut and then Reichwell Armstead was supposed to come back from COVID and he never did. Not having anyone else there can be huge for value. And when you do have those other guys, they can kind of chip away. And, you know, every touch matters because, you know, you look at Zeke and Tony Pollard. Tony Pollard, like, I love Zeke, but, I mean, Tony Pollard comes in and he takes the ball and runs 45 yards for a touchdown. That's a touchdown that Zeke isn't getting. You know, if Tony Pollard gets hurt, then it's Zeke to the moon, you know. So things you got to think about. You said you had Zeke ahead of Henry and ahead of Taylor. You know, does he crack your top four at all? Do you have Zeke ahead of Saquon Barkley coming off an injury? Alvin Kamara with a new, you know, offense, whether it's going to be Winston, which, you know, is good news, or if it's Taysom Hill, it's bad news, you know, for Alvin Kamara based on what we saw last year. And then, of course, you know, you have Dalvin Cook, you have Chris McCaffrey coming off an injury. You know, is Zeke worth considering, you know, in that top four for you? You know, so... When, when this particular ADP and these rankings, we're talking about best ball leagues, which for anyone unfamiliar, it's a format where you draft your whole team. You don't have any trades, don't have any waivers. The guys automatically slot into the lineup. So for me, I do lean towards high upside in the beginning, and I actually wouldn't consider Zeke in the top four just because, you know, we've seen Kamara have six touchdown games. He's capable of getting 15 target games. We've seen Dalvin Cook just take over games completely. So I like Zeke and Dalvin kind of the best in redraft to a certain degree because in redraft, you want the safest possible guys with your earliest picks. And not only are, you know, with Dalvin and Zeke, people might say, oh, Dalvin hasn't uh, played a full season yet. Zeke has a lot of carries so he could get hurt. They both have clearly defined handcuffs, which to me becomes a much more valuable thing in redraft where in that, in those situations, now I am considering these guys because I want to make sure my first round pick, my most prized asset is going to bring back that value. And I think that Zeke brings back that value. And if he gets hurt, Tony Pollard brings back, brings back that value, which with Alvin Kamara and Latavius Murray, that's not necessarily the case. Same with Derrick Henry and Terrence Evans. We we watched Saquon get hurt, and the you know the backups didn't provide anything close to that value. So right, right. It's hey, a, it's hey a, put some respect on Wayne Gallman's name. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry, Wayne. But yeah, it's a it's just a different story in redraft. But in best ball, you do want to skew upside. I think Zeke has a lot of upside, but I mean, you can't just a guy like Kamara on a week to week basis can just absolutely. I mean, we just saw it last year. Yeah, if you had him in your championship, you won. You know, yep. bottom line, a hundred percent plus. You know, again, you're, you're as we get closer to the you know the regular season, you know, we'll have a clearer picture, likely who the quarterback is. And I know a lot of people are just going to assume it's 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 Jameis here, but you know, again, the Taysom Hill effect, as we saw last year, was certainly a bit troubling for Kamara's uh, stock. If we're looking towards second round and guys that have second round ADPs here, you know, ranking wise, Nick Chubb, Aaron Jones, Austin Eckler, Cam Akers, and Joe Mixon all have second round ADPs. You, of course, just came out with another article, which people just, you are 
all over takes on both sides of the fence here on Joe Mixon. He's at an ADP of 24.9, you know, going towards the end um, of the second round here. If you look at the latest he was drafted, you know, we saw him even go, you know, in the third, fourth round in some best ball drafts. You know, what is it about Joe Mixon? Are people just hurt? Is that what it is? Do they just have hurt feelings when it comes to Joe Mixon here? Yeah, I mean, we've seen it. I mean, I like we talked about it last week a little. We talked about it in the article where, you know, he's let a lot of people down, whether that's via injury, you know, the team was bad. Obviously, Gio Bernard was there. The quarterback play was awful. But, I mean, now all that stuff is gone. It's to the wayside. And we've seen Mixon be productive. If you look at his yards after contact, you know, last year, obviously he got hurt, but the year before that, we're talking about a top six back in, in, in yards after contact, which, you know, when you're getting hit three yards behind the line, you know, uh, four yards after contact is a one yard run. So for me, like when we look at Todd Gurley, 2016, and you look at his 321 touches, but he was still RB 17. The biggest thing that I, I realized was he was second to the, the Rams as a team were a second to last in yards before contact, right? Then they bring in Andrew Whitworth. They, you know, Jared Goff is on his second year. They bring in all these wide receivers. We're talking before that they had Kenny Britt. Now they have Sammy Watkins and Brandon Cooks and Robert Woods and Cooper Cup. And we're not Brandon Cooks yet, but all they have all these guys they brought in. And now all of a sudden the offense is good. And Todd Gurley is the best running back in the league. He was from, you know, he he only got like 20 more touches from 16 to 17. But the team went from losing 12 games to winning 11 games. So you look at a situation like that where everything improves around the guy. He's always been a pretty good player. That's what's happening right now for Joe Mixon. The you know they getting back injured linemen. They brought in Riley Reef. They have the quarterback. They got Jamar Chase. You know it's the Gio Bernard's gone. It's kind of wheels up here. So for me in the second round, I'm taking Joe Mixon pretty much anytime he's there. I mean. I would. He's a guy that had been a you know a consistent you know first round running back for the last couple of seasons you know and if he has that type of upside coming off a bad year you know those are things we like to you know consider as like league winners you know like think of you know we mentioned the Todd Gurley year where he was going in the the second round after a really down season and then he came back and bounced back and was you know the number one running back on the board and everybody's like well why was he even going that late in drafts it's like well people were soured on him. And I feel like that's what we're getting here with Joe Mixon a little bit. People are souring on him. Still very young. He's the, you know, you know, the youngest, oldest player in the league, it feels like. 24 uh, years old. 24, 24 years, years old, yeah. Um, same, and, same age as McCaffrey, you know. Right. He's young, yeah. younger than, he's younger than, he's same age as Barkley McCaffrey, younger right. than Dalvin, Kamara, Zeke, Henry, Aaron Jones, all mm-hmm. those guys, Eckler. Yeah, so there's a lot of talent in that offense as well. You mentioned, they, again, they improved the offensive lane, even though, even though they didn't draft the offensive linemen. Everybody had hope for, but if they're going to spread the ball out more, the teams can't really stack against the run. You know, there's just a lot of upside. So I, I'm with you, big Joe Mixon here, uh, fan here. Where do you rank him amongst the other, you know, second round backs here, though? You know, Nick Chubb, you know, very, you know, run heavy offense, but does split that work with Kareem Hunt. Aaron Jones, you know, I don't know if you've seen pictures again of, of help me out here. Why am I always forget AJ Dillon at camp? The, the, the monster quads of, of AJ Dillon, you know, right now is those pitchers are intimidating. We know he's going to get a more of a workload with Jamal Williams gone, you know, Aaron Jones going there in the, in the second round, you know, I expected some regression last year. Didn't really come. He was still as good as he was in the season before. Obviously didn't have all the touchdowns, but still a very impactful Second round back, you got Eckler and then Cam Akers, who I'm surprised is actually going where he is. I thought the hype might have trained him, might have been higher on him. 
Yeah, I mean, so I'm not sure if you you saw that AJ Dillon said that he has two different nicknames. So unlike Saquads as one nickname, he says he has different nicknames for each one of his quads. AJ Dillon, did you hear that today? I didn't know. What does what does he call his quads? He calls one Quadzilla and the other one the Quadfather. The Quadfather. <laughs> Jeez. So. Uh, yeah, that's pretty wild. You know, why don't why don't we make quads in order in honor of AJ Dillon naming his two quads our secret word for the Scott Fishbowl entry. So if you're I, if you're listening here, when it you see the tweet for this podcast and you see the form link, click on the form link, enter in secret word quads, and that will qualify you for our drawing to get into the Scott Fishbowl. You're required to put your email, your Twitter handle. And the secret word, again, is quads for your entry into the drawing to earn a spot into the Scott Fish Bowl. Because, I mean, quads have been the topic. Other than say quads, obviously, now you're telling me that A.J. Dillon has named his quads. We saw Mike Davis come out and kick off the quad social media viral photos. And then today, as we're recording, we got the Gio Bernard quad photo. So, yeah, I saw that. Those, his, really, his quads were looking sharp, like they, like a... Uh like a sharp like oyster or something that would just cut you, you know, like the, the razor were, the razor clam there. Yeah, I'm not a big uh, seafood eater, so I'll take your word for yeah. that. Just on the uh, the entry there, quads seems pretty imp- appropriate. You know, beyond for our contest, you know, if you just put your name on the sheet, follow JMPemba777 and Coupe Fiasco on Twitter, that's all you got to do for us. Scott Fish did announce that for anyone doing contests like ours, make sure that you go to the Scott Fish Bowl website. We'll also link that when we send out the, you know, the link there. Uh, make sure you're signed up on there because he's had some issues where people, yeah, they win a contest, they're not signed up. So we'll kind of, we'll guide you through the all, all the instructions will be on the, the entry form that we're going to put out. So we'll make sure to have links and everything available to you. But remember, uh, secret word here is quads for the Scott Fishbowl entry that we'll be discussing in the next segment. But again, Aaron Jones, Nick Chubb, Austin Eckler, Cam Akers, you know, does Mixon leap ahead of any of them for you in ADP? So the thing for me is that I, and this this might sound crazy to a lot of people, is that I would take Joe Mixon ahead of any of those guys simply because what ends up happening is, you know, with an ADP of 24, right, if I want to get him, if in the middle of the round, he's not going to come back. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So if he makes it to the end of the round, I take if I if I'm at the middle of the round, I end up taking him. You know, if maybe if Aaron Jones, I mean, sorry, Aaron Rodgers says, hey, I'm coming back and it's the same team and no hard feelings. And we're going to try and win the Super Bowl. And, you know, I think that, that you know, that that's happening. Or if I believe that is going to be the case, then I would consider Aaron Jones there in best ball. But Nick Chubb, you know, this is a upside oriented format and with another running back there i mean you're kind of banking on an injury for the super high upside he's Mm -hmm. he's very safe but you know and then obviously you have eckler but with a new offensive coordinator cam Akers, he's in an offense where they used malcolm brown on he was actually third in pass snaps behind malcolm brown and daryl henderson last year so you you think his end of season success was purely due to the injuries that they had with brown and henderson because i mean like he looked really really good at the end of the year. And and I think, you know, Stafford is, is definitely an upgrade over Goff in that offense at quarterback. You know, I, I'm buying a little bit of the Cam Akers hype. I was all in on Cam Akers last year, obviously was burned there until the end of the year. But I see that second round ADP and he just feels like a guy that I, I just want a lot of shares of. 
Yeah, I, so he's he's one that I do like a lot. I mean, I like all these guys. Like, there's no way to not really like any of them. Like, sure. it's hard to point at any of them and say, I don't like that guy. That's why they're all going so consistently in these rounds here, you know? But in this upside-oriented format, I think I would rather go for the guy that, like, who is going to split that backfield with them? I mean, it, these guys are non-threatening at all. You know, you look at, you look at Akers and he... Never really like he he looked good, but he never really kind of ran away with it completely. Nick Chubb, we already know he's splitting. So you know, for Mixon, I, I like him a lot, especially yeah, if the I. The Maje Ryan isn't going to cut into those touches. No, I I agree with you hundred percent here. And then after you know after the second round, you know again there's there's what are we looking at? Twelve running backs go in in the first two rounds. And then you can clearly see in, in terms of ADP where the other positions are getting drafted, right? Based off ADP right now on BB10s, there's two third round running backs, two fourth round running backs, one fifth, one sixth, no seventh. So this is where people are taking their wide receivers, where they're taking their tight ends, their quarterbacks, I'm guessing here. So let's just start off and kind of look at some of these guys here because there are a few names that I think jump out in the third round. I'm looking at Najee Harris here. And what's sticking out more to me is that uh, he went fifth in somebody's best ball draft. So, you know, people, some people are buying into the hype. His average ADP is 31.1. He and DeAndre Swift basically going back to back in third round in terms of ADP. We know you are not a DeAndre Swift fan. So talk to me a little bit about Najee Harris, how you think he fits with the Steelers offense. Yeah. How crazy is that though? You look at this ADP, six RBs in the first round, six in the second round. And then over the course of third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh rounds, the next five rounds, there's only six. So right. it's it's very top heavy. And I like I like what you pointed out there regarding the because you know this ADP that we pulled off the best ball ten site does show the, the minimum pick. You have it's it's not like it's all of a sudden, you know, just you can always get Swift in the third round. You can always get Antonio Gibson in the fourth round. That's really not how it works, you know, right. especially in sharp leagues. The the you know Joe Mixon the earliest he's being drafted at twelfth. DeAndre Swift is being drafted at thirteenth. Najee Harris went at five. Antonio Gibson thirteen. Dobbins sixteen. Miles Sanders fifteen. Hilaire right. nineteen. Like all these guys, there there are people drafting them in the second round. So it's almost like you kind of need to. And I tweeted about this earlier today and said the, it's almost like you need to pick your guys and plant your flag because mm-hmm. in, with these guys you can't just say and i learned this doing enough of these to say i can't just say oh i'll just take joe mix in the set in the third round if he's there because he's usually not there right <laughs> you know even with the adp of 24 he's going at 12 you know yeah it's see going... it's that's that's the whole part about the average right on average he's going 24 but there are certainly leagues where guys are more bullish on him like you said and then you know, you get the lottery leagues where he went 47th as his latest positional pick. You know, like if you're, right. I can't imagine your eyes. He, he wouldn't even get to 47 because you would have taken him well before <laughs> that, right? You know, like that, that AP doesn't exist. Yeah, that doesn't exist right. in leagues where I'm in. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I couldn't imagine what could what would happen to cause that. So that's where I'm at. And like with, again, this is best ball. So we talk about DeAndre Swift. A lot of people like him because they say he's going to catch a lot of balls. He's safe. I kind of talked about in my article there, there why I don't even think that's the case. You know, we talked about how Todd Gurley had 321 touches on a 12-loss team, and he was RB17. I mean, the Lions' Vegas odds have them losing 12 games, and you have to pay to bet they're going to lose more than that. Like, you have to pay up. I think it's like minus 130 to bet. Yeah. You can, so it's, it's like— Vegas thinks they may not win a game. 
Basically, and, you know? and, and it makes all the sense in the world because they did everything in their power to tank. You know, they're doing exactly what the Dolphins did. So with Swift in this format, you know, if you want, if you're in a PPR redraft league and you think he's super safe, go for it. You know, but for me personally, I'm looking for high, high upside. And it's very difficult to be a super high end running back when you're in a very bad offense. We're talking only the Texans have better odds to come in very last place then the Lions and their quarterback might go to jail. So, you know, you look at it's like in these rounds, like especially at this point, I think once you get to so like Cam Akers, Austin Eckler, those are guys going in the first round, right? Some Sometimes they go in the first round. And Aaron Jones, Chubb, like the oftentimes they go the back in the first round. Once you get in the second round, you got to look at Joe Mixon, DeAndre Swift, Najee Harris, and Antonio Gibson, who's flying up boards, and you got to say to yourself, I'm planting my flag on this guy, and I'm going to go out and get him first. And then if somebody else is there, I'll take them later. Because you're, you'll kick yourself if you say, oh, well, I love I love Antonio Gibson, but I kind of want to take you know Najee Harris in the second, and I'll get Gibson later, and then Gibson's gone. Right. You don't even end up with you know you don't end up with the guy you wanted. It's like you're, you get your caught with your hand in the cookie jar. So I think in any of these rounds, pick your guy and go for him. I like I like mixing. Gibson's growing on me as a guy that, you know, after I take Mixon in the next rounds, I look and see who I think could have super high upside. You know, I also like Clyde Edwards-Hilaire because we're talking about, a, you know, a rookie struggled in pass blocking a little bit. They brought in Le'Veon Bell, you know, Daryl, you know, Daryl Williams played, these other guys played, but that line was terrible. Now it's a lot better. You know, they brought in Joe Tooney from our Patriots. Yep. You know, they they beefed it up. They traded for one of the biggest guys in the league, Brown from the Ravens. It's yeah, it's like they beefed up that line. They have one of the, the best, obviously the best quarterbacks in the league. They're going to score touchdowns. Who's going to score? You know, if they get the ball down to the and they get a pass interference in the end zone, who's going to score that touchdown? I mean, Edward Slayer was not a good uh, red zone runner last year, which I think was one of the reasons why they they went and tried to get Le'Veon, even though they didn't really use him, I think, as much as people had expected. And Daryl Williams, the same thing. There was definitely a lot of times where CEH was cut down. But I mean, again, you, you want parts of that offense and you're not having to overpay for it like you were last year. Right. People were taking CEH once once he was basically, you know, the, the starting running back there, you know, in the first round, you know, <laughs> right. Like right. so people were burned on CEH and then, you know, they're like, oh, man, what a waste of a first round pick. Well, you know, if you're getting him in the fifth, sixth, seventh round, then, you know, that's good value. You know, there's upside at that still. Right. Like and and that's what you're looking for. You can live if your sixth or seventh round pick doesn't end up being a stud because you're not taking it with an early draft capital by then you've likely already taken a top wide receiver, a top couple running backs. And like, you know, your six round running back is probably your RB three at this point, you know, mm -hmm. like, and that's where, you know, the value for him lies. So I agree with you. I'm big into CEH. It saddens me with Miles Sanders. Cause I do love the upside that he potentially has whenever they give him the opportunity, but they just continue to bring in guys to just muddy the waters with that with that backfield you know and it's like you know how are they gonna you know use him in that offense we it looked good at times last year with, with Hertz there you know at the end of the season and, and how they ran there but you know they have a new coach they have a new offense and then you look at they got guys behind them you know they brought in carry on Johnson not that he's you know gonna really you know overly compete but they you know they still have Boston Scott they have guys there that could potentially cut into Miles Sanders' workload. And then you don't even know if Harris is going to be the quarterback, right? Like, he's been told it's competition with Flacco. And even though I don't believe that, you know, like, I, I wish Sanders had more appeal, but he's just, just a risky pick.
Yeah, yeah, it's disappointing because of the the talents there, and and you like I'm rooting for him. I have him in a couple of dynasty leagues, but you have to look at the things you you said there, and and also the fact that Jalen Hurts is a highly mobile yeah. quarterback. Like he ran the ball more than pretty much any other quarterback on a per game basis, and we know that's not conducive to throwing the ball to the running back. I mean, if the pocket breaks down. Drew Brees is going to flip it to Kamara, you know, or he used to. If you're, because he's going to get the ball in the hands of the superior runner, you know. If I'm Jalen Hurts, then I looked at, if a guy a couple feet away from me and I say, go block somebody, you know what I mean? And we've seen the stats, a guy, Andrew Erickson, I believe he's at PFF now, but he was with Fantasy, Fantasy Data or somebody like that. He posted an article that kind of mathematically showed that, that mobile quarterbacks do target the running back less. So yeah. uh, that is the concern there. But I, at his ADP, I'm all for it because now you're kind of, you know, last year people were taking him like the second round. Now yeah. it's ADP in the fifth. Yeah, I mean, I'm comfortable with that for sure. And it does look like, well, let's get into the next round here because it looks like what's happening is people, you can see where people stop believing that the guy is like has the backfield to himself because you have all these guys going first, second, third round. Even then it's like, okay, fourth, you know, fourth, fifth, sixth round, it goes Gibson, Dobbins, Miles Sanders, Clyde Edwards, Hilaire. And then mm-hmm. you actually have a whole round, seventh round, where nobody's taking everybody where it okay. seems you know, everyone's trying to get that last guy they think is the guy in the backfield. And then now you get into this next group where it's kind of muddier. So you want to hit us with the ADPs on these? Yeah. For, so in the eighth round, I so said we got Josh Jacobs, David Montgomery, Chris Carson. In the ninth round, we got James Robinson, Travis Etienne, and, and Kareem Hunt there. You know, the name that, I, you know, is kind of interesting to me is, is David Montgomery, right? Because you know, the offense there potentially with Josh Fields now at quarterback gives a little bit more strength to their passing game. You know, the return of Tariq Cohen is obviously going to be a, a probably an issue for David Montgomery, which is unfortunate because Montgomery looked pretty good in the passing game at the end of last year, right? And that was everything that we wanted out of Montgomery his rookie year, everything we, we were crying that with the fact that they were given like Corderell Patterson snaps. You're like, you have. David Montgomery, why are you not giving him the football? And last year, especially at the end of last year, he looked phenomenal, showing his versatility. The guy we thought Matt Nagy was drafting for a reason, but now he's going in the eighth round, and Tariq Cohen, we know, is going to be featured heavily in the passing game. Do you think there's a way for Montgomery to continue to be an all-around back in this offense with Cohen healthy? Yeah, I mean, I'm there with you. If if Matt Nagy's offense works the way it should, the way it did, you know, it did in Kansas City, which he now has more pieces that fit that offense. You know, he's got the Allen Robinson on the outside. He's got Darnell Mooney, who's his Tyreek Hill light. He's finally got between Jimmy Graham and Cole Komet. He's got some tight ends that can play that slot role. Uh, I mean, if you're scared of Tariq Cohen with David Montgomery in the eighth round, then shouldn't you be terrified of J.D. McKissick? with Antonio Gibson in the fourth round because right. J.D. McKissick did have 100 targets last year. He's still on the team. And not only that, but J.D. McKissick played a lot of snaps at wide receiver because they had injuries. So now they have wide receivers. They have Curtis Samuel, Diami Brown, Terry McLaurin. So McKissick isn't really going to get a lot more of those wide receiver snaps, but they're still going to use them. So they're probably just going to mix them in the backfield. Not that I don't love Gibson. Like, I do like Gibson in the fourth, in the fourth round. But if we like Gibson in the fourth round, we should – Conversely, probably like Dave Montgomery in the eighth round, right? I mean, you know, we saw him do it. And the other one for me is Chris Carson, because we talk about these other guys. Like Josh Jacobs, obviously, people are scared of Kenyon Drake, right? Clearly, James Robinson and Travis Etienne are going back to back. Kareem Hunt's the other side of a timeshare. 
why is Chris Carr and you know with Montgomery, Tariq Cohen, they're scared. Yeah, you know, people are scared there. Why is Chris Carson grouped with these guys? They just paid him a bunch of money, including a void third year, the dreaded void third year, which you know allows them to maneuver the cap and bring him back. They just told Rashad Penny that you know we don't want you back for the fifth year option as a, that you're allowed to give rookies. So they pretty much just told Rashad Penny, we're not confident in what you do. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, what, what's the, what's the fear there? You know, I mean, I feel like Chris Carr, like uh, in this sea of people that kind of have muddy backfields, that backfield's not muddied at all. So, I mean, yeah, it's not muddied at all. And, and, and he's been a very effective, you know, running back when healthy, of course, you know, the issues with him, you know, injuries last year, 12 games before, you know, the season before he had six fumbles. So people sort of, you know, holding that against him going into last year while they thought it could be the year he loses uh, his job. But you look at the two seasons, you know, before last year where he was healthy, ran for over a thousand yards. He had nine touchdowns and seven touchdowns. And then he's had back-to-back years with 37 catches. And again, well on his way to, you know, surpass that, you know, if not for the injuries in 2020, limiting him to 12 games, you know, again, he's a, he's a versatile back that you could fill all needs in PPR formats. And I'm with you there. If, if something sort of stands out in terms of, you know, backfields and, you know, guys that could overtake him. It, it feels like Carson in this round is a safe bet. And maybe, you know, if you're one of those zero RB guys, you know, maybe Chris Carson in the eighth round is someone you're looking at, right? Like that's, that's, that's like, that's probably where you're, you're hoping to plant your flag. Like you said, yeah. as a guy that, that feels safe, has upside that you're looking for and can get the job done for you. What do you, what do you think about Josh Jacobs with Kenyon Drake there? Is there, you know, Kenyon Drake, you know, for all sort of the name hype, Hasn't ever really been able to lock down a job, right? Like he went from Miami, got traded, had a good couple games with Arizona, came into last year, was, you know, was supposed to be the guy there, did not do well. Chase Edmonds largely overtook him. They moved him. Now he's in in Las Vegas. Like, you know, is Kenny Drake a real threat to Josh Jacobs or is he more an insurance policy for Jacobs given his injury history? Yeah, I mean, I think that what Gruden has looked at is a lot of the teams around the league that have had success, like the Patriots using kind of a split backfield, two guys that the guys that do different things. So I do think that Kenyon Drake is a bit of a problem there. He's like you said, he's not, you can't really rely on him for the full role, but he reminds me, I think what what we're going to see is kind of what uh, Shanahan does with Raheem Mostert, where he kind of picks and chooses his spots where he thinks that, okay, the defense is tired. Let's throw in the, throw in the guy who's crazy fast maybe get him in space and see if we can, you know, take one to the house here. And I think that in this format, this best ball format, that's kind of exactly what you're looking for because you don't get any of the bad weeks. You only get the big weeks. You have to remember that a guy like Kenyon Drake, he's routinely showing up on the, the NFL next gen stats for fastest play. I mean, I'm pretty sure last year he was on it once again, you know, he had another 70 something yard touchdown Raheem Mostert had the first, you know, again, these guys have a little bit ADPs later, so we can bring them up at that point. But I mean, he had, the fastest play from scrimmage in the first game of the season. And then in the second game of his season, he had the second fastest play recorded of anyone the entire year. So guys like that, again, in redraft, they could become really tough where you're setting your lineup and you have to, you know, think to yourself, Oh my God, I could start this guy and he could get three carries and two catches and not really give me anything. But at the same time, he's, this is a home run hitter format, which, so for me, Josh Jacobs, I mean, he's definitely going to score some touchdowns. He's a great runner on the ground, but I think it hurts his, his reception totals the same way that a Gio Bernard, 
her Joe Mixon for all these years right. or, or anybody does. So, yeah. And, uh, and just want to say one thing on the Chris Carson fumble thing is yeah. I was huge against Chris Carson because of that. Like I, there's been a bunch of things that I didn't like about Chris Carson, you know, his, some of his rushing metrics, the fumbles, especially the drops and stuff. But what I've come to realize in this league is that when it comes to the reality of drops and fumbles is that they're only a problem. If your coach loses confidence in you and Pete Carroll is such a like gum chewing butt slapping players coach that you can Chris Carson at this point could fumble every single game which he did uh, the season for last for three games in a row he fumbled every game and Pete Carroll is just gonna say hey, you know what you'll get him next time Chris yeah. so I, I think Carson has always benefited from not having a true backup to him as well you know and then, and then even last year he didn't really cut down the fumble he cut down the fumbles rather so it was okay but they, they had what they had Hyde behind him right and then Hyde kept on getting hurt also so like Right. You know, you know, at some point he's also just been lucked out by the fact that Seattle's never had a, a viable backup option to him. That you know, Carol's like, all right, he's fumbling again, and you look at the bench, and you're like, well, I don't, there's nobody here. There, who who's going to play instead of Chris Carson? He's our best back, and they just kind of send him back out there. So I think he's always had that advantage, but to the point of this year, same situation. So like, there's no one really there if he starts fumbling to to really steal those carries away from him. If we're gonna look at you know the end of these you know the drafts here, Mike Davis in the tenth round kind of was surprising to me. I felt like given sort of the hype around him, way he finished off last year, I was going into Atlanta where he is you know the only you know, he's gonna be the starting running back there. We know he's got pass catching capabilities. Should be an every down back for them. Yeah, he's going in the tenth round, I, and that, to me that just you know, it seems surprising that this is where he is. And another guy that has monster quads. So mm. again, Scott Fishbowl's secret word, those listening quads, Mike Davis kicked that off with the social media phenom with his viral photo. So why do you think Davis is going where he's going? What is it about him to you that is causing the low ADP here? You know, I honestly, I really don't understand it. I do know that there are some things that trickle into these at this time of year. And one of them is Dynasty. So people in their mind are thinking this guy's 29 years old. You know, he's going to a team that's kind of in flux, you know, so I think some people are, are have that in their mind, but in this format, he absolutely shouldn't be going this far because this is a team who is, you know, they're Matt Ryan's kind of at the end of his ropes here. They're going for it now. They need to win now. And I don't see any reason why they wouldn't take the guy that they paid and use them as much as they can. I mean, the competition is like Quadri Olison, uh, a guy that they got. I think JV and Hawkins is there, but they got him as an undrafted free agent. You know, he's he's a very small player. So if anything, maybe some gadget plays, whatever. Mike Davis, that one stands out to me like a sore thumb. You know, you look at these guys. You know, Miles Gaskin, I guess, could also be interesting here. I, you know, I don't know why people are so antsy to take James Robinson. And, you know, Travis Etienne before some of these guys who could have the full role and be, you know, full time running backs. So, you know, I, I'm right there with you. You know, we so through this eight, this ADP here, we have this is the 10th round. So you have Miles Gaskin, Javante Williams, Mike Davis, Melvin Gordon, Chase Edmonds. Then the 11th round, you get Raheem Moster and Ronald Jones. Like from that group, I'm right. Like Mike Davis is there. I'm taking him. Right. Another thing I've been doing is that. I will wait until Javante Williams goes, and then I will take Melvin Gordon. I'm not super excited about Melvin Gordon, and if somebody wants to take smartly, take Melvin Gordon before Javante Williams, I won't have them 
or I'll wait and take whichever one goes later. But, I mean, Melvin Gordon's the starting running back for that football team. Nobody has said a word otherwise, right? Have you heard anything? saying? I, have, I haven't heard anything. I did see Howard Bender take both in a best ball draft the other day. So Genius. You know, Genius. I, I know that code of is sort of a, a strategy we talked about last week for you with wide receivers. You know, wide receivers on bad teams, right? Like, if you don't know which one's going to go off, take them both at the end of drafts. Well, if you can get both Denver running backs here at the end of drafts in a best ball format, like – Week to week, it could be one or the other going off. Right, and we're talking about round 10. So we're talking about if these players are scoring any sort of touchdowns at all, they're, they're going to slide into your lineup because it's best ball. You know, it's like you don't have to worry about picking one or the other. If, you know, the they get the ball down the one-yard line, a running back is going to score. And if you got them both, then you get those points. So, I mean, I don't hate that at all. I don't like doing it when I have to spend, you know, a uh, second round pick on Nick Chubb and then a eighth or ninth round pick on Kareem Hunt. But if I'm spending a, my 10th and 11th or 10th and 12th round picks on Melvin Gordon, Javante Williams, oh, of course, you know what I mean? If one of them gets hurt, then I just got a fourth round pick. You know what I mean? So yeah, I'm all about that move. You know, Chase Edmonds was a lot more appealing before James Conner news there, but you know. Is Conner really impact? I, I, I'm down on Conner. Again, he just, you know, he didn't look, look overly impressive whenever he was getting the feature role there with, you know, with Pittsburgh. Now, I know two years ago, his injuries last year, again, you know, some injuries, just some bad performances in general when he was given the full, you know, the lead role there. And they seem so high on Chase Edmonds in Arizona, right? Like, you know, it just feels like that's Edmonds' role and Connor is there in case, right? Like, that's how I'm, I sort of, how I'm at least going into Edmonds and, Given where his ADP is, if I believe that and I'm wrong, it's not going to kill me, right? Not, so, you know, that's the you. best part. You know? Yeah, and the other thing is that let's say they do like James Conner a lot. Chase Edmonds played like a, almost 200 snaps at either slot or split all the way out wide. So it's not even crazy that, you know, they they utilize both the guys on the field at the same time. He's a talented player, you know. And again, this is the explosive play format, you know, if Chase Edmonds is the Kenyon Drake in that offense and you know they use him for explosive roles and he has some monster games and has some bad games you don't get any of those bad games tagged to you so I'm, I'm all for you know targeting a couple running backs early and then taking a little breather while everyone's taking you know the Josh Jacobs's and the James Robinson's and all these guys that are kind of plotter types and I'll wait and I'll take Chase Edmonds and Raheem Mostert and you know now you go for the next few guys, you have Mostert at 11th round, Ronald Jones 11th round, A.J. Dillon, Leonard Fournette, and Trey Sermon in the 12th round. And, you know, out of those guys, I like I do like Mostert in this format the best because he's the guy that can explode for, you know, for the big play. You know what I mean? He had a 76-yard catch against the, the like two back-to-back 70-yard plays in the first two weeks last year. I mean, in in this format, that's like a, that one play is 15 points. You know what He's I mean? He's taking over like the Matt Breida explosive 49ers running back role, basically. Like often hurt when he is healthy, though. He's productive and he gives you a big play upside. And again, another guy that last year you had to take in the fourth or fifth round that now you're getting in the 11th round. And it's a guy that they definitely want to use, you know, heavy in their offense, but they do run a committee of backs. So that's something that kind of limits them a little bit there. But I, I, I do like the most third play could give me, give me one, I guess like deep, you know, best ball running back. If you, if you're late in drafts, if you're looking for dark throws, you know, obviously the, the running back position as we get later kind of narrows, but is there one guy that, that is on your board that you you feel like at the end of drafts, this is who I'm taking. 
Yeah, so I mean, uh, since we're getting we're getting to the end of our time here, I'll just rattle off a few that I'm taking because obviously we're after the twelfth round now, and you're into kind of the pick 'em territory where right. it's like just take who you don't throw ADP out the window and just take the guys that you like because everyone else is using crazy rankings and crazy strategies too. So I like after the twelfth round, I like Kenyon Drake. Like I said, I kind of like Jamal Williams based on things that we talked about in the article about you know what they do there. I don't mind J- JD McKissick. He's going like the fifteenth round. I like I don't I don't really like any of the handcuffs at this point. So a pure handcuff like Alexander Madison. You're, yeah. you're I like probably taking them at the end of best balls because it is a best ball and if something happens to Dalvin Cook or something like that, right? right? Like you're gonna have them because there are no moves in best balls, like we said. So like I, I agree with you. If you're targeting guys, you know, handcuffs at this point, it's not because you think they're gonna be productive members of your team. It's just if you own Dalvin Cook and he gets hurt in best ball, you want Alexander Madison or else you're likely out of luck here, or you're trying to steal that handcuff from somebody. So that that's the mostly the reason why you're taking backups here. So I agree with you in a sense, like if you're looking for somebody that could maybe fit in as your, you know, weekly contributor, the guys are rattling off, make a lot of sense. You know, guys like a Madison, guys like a Latavius Murray though, maybe Murray more so than Madison, given if you listen to some of the recent reports that Peyton wants to lean RB heavy more than usual. But you know, mm-hmm. Latavius Murray last year was vulturing some scores and you know, as a guy that can be heavily involved, you know, those are those are more handcuff plays that help with depth. But the guys that, that Coop's talking about right now are ones that he thinks could you know, impact your roster week to week. Right. Standalone value, of course. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's like if you're if you want to handcuff and go that route on your own guys, you know, and I know some people like Tony Pollard and stuff, but, you know, I just don't you know, you're banking on injury. You're betting on injury, whereas there's other guys here that could just outright have good games without anyone getting hurt. And if someone does get hurt, then all of a sudden now maybe they have a little more appeal. Like James White has always been a guy that at any moment could catch seven or eight passes. You know, he has the record for the most receptions in the Super Bowl, you know, and that wasn't that long ago. The last year, his parents uh, unfortunately got in that car accident and he was, you know, obviously thrown for a loop he missed a lot of time but i mean he's still a guy that is you know can get a ton of targets and if camp newton ends up not being the quarterback at some point during the season or even begin the season you know rookie quarterbacks check down safety valves like you know that could be the the james white show there right they love it they love it and so that i'm all about that i will take and this is we're talking real late here i will take the two free agents i'll take Le'Veon bell and i'll take todd Gurley. Uh, I think that we don't with, you know, the uncertainty is your friend when you get this deep. We're talking about ADPs. I think uh, Todd Gurley's ADP is 233. You're not really hurting yourself taking him, you know, around the same time the other people are taking Daryl Williams and Jamar Jefferson. I mean, Jamar Jefferson as a seventh round running back on probably the worst team in the league is the Lions. Like, why would you even go that route? I mean, Todd Gurley, worst case scenario is Todd Gurley signs with the Lions. Brad Holmes was the old, uh, you know, Ram scout. He could bring his guy back. I know they had him for a visit, but yeah. I'd still want Todd Gurley more than Jamar Jefferson then. And if he signs anywhere else, then it's even better. Yeah. So Todd Gurley still had nine touchdowns last year. So get in the red zone. That guy can punch it in still. Right. That's that's, so. that's if anything else, that's what he's got left. So, you know, so that kind of wraps up our, our preview here of some BB 10 ADPs on the running back position. We're going to be going over in the following weeks, you know, wide receivers, quarterback, tight end ADPs here for best balls. Coop and I are going to probably do a best ball at some point and break down our draft strategy uh, as well on here. But before we wrap up, we do, we should make mention again here of the Scott Fishbowl Coop. You know, again, we were granted an giveaway of an entry into the Scott Fishbowl. We have peppered in 
our secret word. If you're listening now, go back, find the secret word. It's mentioned a few times in the podcast that you can enter to be in the raffle to get into the Scott Fishbowl for that. But it's a charity event. It's done a lot of great things. I've been in it now for three or four years. I know you were in it last year as well. I haven't had a ton of success Due to the injuries, I think last year at one point, like Rex Burkhead was my best running back available on my roster due to all the injuries that happened. I drafted like Ryan Mostert, who continuously ended up getting injured. But why don't you go ahead and just talk a little bit about it, Coop, you know, what we can look forward to with this year's Scott Fishbowl. Yeah, I've been, I've been in it for two years, and last year I got crushed, just like you with the injuries. I Because the thing about it is you draft in, is it it's July, right? It's right around July 4th. Yeah. or Yeah, so you draft in early July, and you know last year I took guys like Darius Geis, Cortland Sutton, they didn't even play. So, you know, you, you do, there is a lot of risk in it, but if you're listening to podcasts like this, doing best balls yourself, you're going to be ahead of the game, because like we said, there's a thousand people in it. So... Basically, what the Scott Fishbowl is, is this giant tournament, all 12 team leagues. So you still get some semblance of, you know, what to what you normally have for a fancy draft, you and 12 people drafting. But what ends up happening is you get into the later round, like you get into week, I think it's 12 or so. And then the top three guys from your league go into the playoffs. And then it just slowly consolidates until you have one winner out of, you know, 1,200 people. And we're talking about like all the best analysts in the league for the most part play like last year in my league sean siegel was in it and he's the guy that basically invented zero wide zero running back you know what i mean you know matthew berry does it jj zacharyson does it our howard bender does it all the cbs podcast guys heath cummings jamie eisenberg all the fantasy footballers and then there's even some actual like celebrities not just fantasy celebrities but actual celebrities that are in it i know that in my division last year as well. So I have, you know, I had a bunch of sharp analysts like Siegel. I also had BJ Levin, who is a Emmy winning, Emmy winning producer for Vice and a few different places. Great guy, you know, talk yeah, to him. I had, I had Eric Young in mine. He was a uh, professional wrestler. So, yeah. You know, mm-hmm. he was in, he was in my league. So, you know, they do a lot of great things, sports, sports, fancy cares charity. So, you know, again, take a listen. We dropped the secret word in there uh, to get your entry into our raffle because we're giving away an entry into this year's Scott Fishbowl. I believe the categories, lead categories, are what, music this year or bands? Music, yeah. Yeah, yep. yeah. so, uh, you know, you make sure you go uh, and sign up for the Scott Fishbowl. We'll have all of the information in the form when you go to enter the contest. But Coop, any, any final words here before we wrap this one up? I mean, that's all. I mean, and I would say to anyone, always sign up for the Scott Fishbowl because he looks at how many years past you were signed up. So just sign up. It doesn't hurt. It takes two seconds. Just sign up. Make sure you're getting in there and you'll have a chance to get in. And if you go on to our page, you'll have an even bigger chance to get in because somebody listening to this podcast right now is going to be in this tournament. You know, we're picking somebody that's yeah, going to possibly play. playing against Coop and I. You know, you never, you never, then, really, you never know. Then you'd be in, you'd, then you'd be in big, big trouble. If you're playing against us. <laughs> or, you, or you would have all of our secrets because we're telling you who we like and where to draft them. So Exactly. You have a leg up on us, I guess. That's very true. That is very true. So uh, that wraps up uh, episode three here. Uh, give Coop a follow on Twitter at Coupe Fiasco. You can follow me on Twitter at jmpemba777. Again, be on the lookout for the tweet. Again, you're listening to this podcast. I'm sure you've seen the tweet by now. Get the secret word, fill out the form, get your entry in for the Scott Fishbowl raffle, and maybe you will be joining us in the Scott Fishbowl this year. But for now, we will catch you guys later.